Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. I'm Charlotte. I'm Chad. Chad, we are turning to the gospel lesson for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Mm-hmm. Here A, and it is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. We're looking at some real, we're moving into... We're moving into some nativity action coming up on us now, right? Okay, here we go. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Nice. A couple years ago at the uh, nativity play, Mm-hmm. The angel, the the young girl who was playing the angel in this passage, yeah, did the best reading of Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid. I've ever heard, which was she went, Joseph, you son of David, <laughs> and it absolutely destroyed me. And I can barely <laughs> think of that verse <laughs> without. It's just such a unique slam she decided it must have you been. Son of David. You son of David. Don't be afraid. <laughs> like, man up, dude. <laughs> oh, oh my. I like that. Okay, so let's do a quick, you know, in comparison to Luke, right? Mm-hmm. So uh in the Luke and narratives from the nativity, you know, Gabriel comes to Mary Mm -hmm. and we have the annunciation and she receives the message. And here we've got uh, Joseph Mm -hmm. is having a dream through which the angel speaks to him. So he's centered, at least in this part, the Mm pre-nativity narrative here. Isn't this the only Joseph stuff we have in the scriptures altogether? Uh-huh. That's remarkable. <laughs> Which is also, this is fascinating to me, and this is just part of you know us, the zeitgeist, whatever. But you know, all of this talk around again, biblical marriage and the importance of the nuclear family, and mm-hmm. you can't raise kids without one man and one woman and stuff in this family is a mess from the get-go. The little yeah. holy family. Yeah. And it doesn't get any better. And it's you know, we start on verse 18 because that's where the narrative starts. And because we have 17 verses of genealogy before that of all kinds of troubled people people and circumstances, situations. 
Um, maybe let's just kind of parse through what's happening in the, in this text. What do you think? Okay. So they're engaged, which is not how we think of engagement. I mean, they're essentially legally married, right? They're betrothed is the better word. They're betrothed. So yes, the con the contract has been agreed upon. Yeah. So in Joseph's mind, she's essentially committed adultery. Yes. Here's one thing that always strikes me when I read this passage. Number one, it's clearly stated that he's righteous. But when it comes to this dilemma, and the law was harsh under these circumstances, his righteousness isn't tied to him observing the law, but finding a compat what, at least in his mind, is the compassionate way to deal with the situation towards Mary. I mean, the law was harsh. Right. Strictly speaking, the law was death. But by right. this time, I think rabbis, by this time, it's allowed to divorce. But he doesn't just want to divorce her, but he wants to do it quietly because it would ruin her if that was to happen. Right. And so all that to say, I think you're already beginning to see righteousness is connected with his compassion towards her, I think, versus keeping the letter of the law. Right. And of course, I think this is a conundrum that Christians face. You know, what is the compassionate thing to do? But of course, he's wrong. He gets an angel visit. I think what you're saying is right and very interesting that righteousness isn't following the letter of the law here. It's doing, it's it's modeling God's goodness and mercy, right? It's mm-hmm. Hesed. It's not um, the prescriptions, right? Yeah. But the angel does come with another motive, though, too, I mm-hmm. think. When the angel said, you know, Joseph, you son of David, (laughs) do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And I guess that could be, you know, afraid on her behalf for a potential for public disgrace or something. But there's something, his reputation is at stake too Mm -hmm. in this, Um, if nothing more than the public humiliation of being a cuckold well and people can count not nine months or yeah whatever so people are going to know yeah so they're going to assume they consummated the marriage before it was usually consummated right yeah so when one way or another things are out of order yeah yeah uh and it's going to be a, a disgrace for for both of them and yeah. his first thought is basic you know this kind of <laughs> send send her out of town mm-hmm. i don't mean to laugh that's not funny i mean this is a, a a merciful act that could should save her life but to quietly dismiss her dismiss and hopefully her. it'll be before any any other people have noticed that she's pregnant and mm-hmm. that'll save him too it's not a bad plan no but God is going to pull him into something, something more than that. Yeah. And of course, you know, the angel says, you will name Jesus. You you will essentially adopt this as your child. Mm -hmm. And gives, and and the name Jesus was a common name, Joshua. Yeah. There's for, 
for people listening, there's a play on uh, in there on that verse too of kind of play on words that the name Jesus means God saves mm-hmm. Yah Shua. You'll name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Right. Uh, and he gets kind of a double naming here, or it's just comical. <laughs> I'm going to say it's a double naming because then you get the, you know, fulfillment passages for, from Matthew here, but you know, the virgin Emmanuel. shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him Emmanuel. I want to be like, they just named him Jesus. Yeah. Is that his middle name? <laughs> <laughs> if you spell Jesus it with Emmanuel H- Christ. <laughs> hmm? I said, it's Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ. Of course, Christ is not his last name. I'm just trying to be funny. God is with us. You know, I, anytime I've used this passage, I definitely bring that part out. The Emmanuel, God with us. Here's the other thing. This is a dream. It's not a vision. It's a dream. So there's still room for like, it's, it, I guess, what am I trying to say? It's, it would be much easier to blow off a dream. Oh, that was a weird dream. But it would have a vision or an appearance. It's not an appearance. Mm-mm. Well, it's, a, it's an appearance in a dream. But then I think we're doing, it is Joseph. Mm-hmm. We had a famous dreamer, Joseph, in the Hebrew. Well, I didn't make that connection. So I think it's both. I mean, it's exceptional if we're, th- if we're thinking about the Lucan accounts. Of the nativity story and the other Which way this actually is the more normative way that angels do seem to talk to people okay i mean hmm. pharaohs and yeah you're right i just know i've had some wild dreams but it would be very easy to dismiss it wow that was a crazy dream must have been convincing but yeah when it comes to this passage the, it was such a great passage to go into the incarnation and just what does it mean for God to enter into God's son to enter into the human experience uh, to be with us in, in the most intimate of ways in a sense of being one of us and not, and you know, it's always amazing to me too. As we, you mentioned in the last podcast, I believe that our Lord enters into the human experience as you know, basically unknown peasant in, in Galilee and poor, not born into soft robes and, and riches. It's just an amazing thought. And of course, with our nativity scenes, <clears throat> we've kind of softened what it, what it means for the incarnation, you know, a little bit, you know. The vulnerability of the incarnate God as a baby is astounding to even think about. Yeah, the temptation for me with this text is to go into all kinds of things that are not explicitly mentioned in the text. But that's okay, you know. <laughs> all I need is a all I need is a taken off twice to do. Can we talk about Mary for a moment? Because she's almost mm-hmm. conspicuously absent from this. Talk about her. I guess because you know our. Charlie Brown Christmas and Linus and whatnot. It's the Luke stuff normally mm-hmm. we get and not this. And, you know, this idea that something has, uh, Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found, she was pregnant. Um, and there's no conversation or 
indication in here of kind of, well, what did, what did she say mm-hmm. about that? We have no witness or testimony from her. And I suppose that helps emphasize the fact that it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, the evidence is the pregnancy and there isn't a kind of a reasonable explanation or one that could have been accepted maybe, Mm -hmm. or they wouldn't have listened to her anyway. You know, Uh, we're not in the, uh, the listen to women move centuries yet. Um, But we don't have any um, other explanation offered. It's just, she's pregnant. And then, you know, all the rest of the talk about Mary again is just what's going to happen to her that she's going to have this child. And then, then we have the question, of course, around the way that we in this, in our English Bibles end up with this translation of look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Mm-hmm. When we know behind that, that's an, that's an interpretation. Yeah. You know, I mean, the text we have is really young woman. And so we assume culturally because of the youth that that has that somebody who's a virgin but Mm -hmm. that's not what the text says but it's something that the christian tradition has absolutely fought to protect Mm -hmm. and not just uh uh mary's virginal status before the birth of jesus but the tradition even protects her as a virgin a perpetual her perpetual virginity, right? right? Even though just a couple of verses later, we have, but he had no marital relations with her until she had born a son. Right. The logical implication is she did not remain a virgin. Yeah. And Jesus has brothers and sisters, am I mistaken? I've, I've always had a hard time understanding. Yeah, I mean, I just, this is, I would just, got to bring it up the the plain meaning here of the text is at odds with some part of that tradition and i think then the question that i always ask around those things is sort of what's at stake what's being protected right so even around the issue of mary's um virginity before the birth of jesus Mm -hmm. what's being protected is the patrilineage of Jesus, that we know we've got, you know, uh, Joseph as family dad and the Holy Spirit, God, mm-hmm. as the real, real birth father. Mm-hmm. Um, but does it, does it matter? Which part? The perpetual virginity? Well, I'm I'm gonna go say that doesn't matter. There, I no. can't I can't come up with a reason for why that would matter. You mean virginity in, in general? Yeah. I mean, I think it's been used working from our doctrine of the incarnation, fully divine, fully human, backwards. But that wouldn't have been in Matthew's mind when he wrote this up. One way that I could see that it mattering would be around the curse of Eve in Genesis 3, that she's already kind of stepping, is outside of some of that. Because she's a virgin, you mean? Yeah. 
because she hasn't had a child yet. Okay. I mean, all of the all of the 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 curse on the man is around agriculture and toil and mm -hmm. work, right? Mm -hmm. And all the curses, the curse on the woman is around her desire for her husband and the pain of childbirth and mm -hmm. and these sorts of things. And I think the same the same part of the tradition and particularly where the medieval tradition is going to pick this up, you know, is going to also argue that there wasn't any pain or complications pain. around this pregnancy either. Right. That it's already it's standing outside of that curse and mm -hmm. then it's going to say it's part of the standing outside of the curse is part of how Jesus is born without sin, because it's that idea right. of a hereditary. Right. I mean, eventually it becomes not just important that she's a virgin, but it's important that she's sinless. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. I'm sorry. I'm agreeing. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, which in order to keep Jesus sinless again, like you said, due to a doctrine of original sin where the sin nature is propagated through sex essentially right yeah hmm. yeah it's kind of, it kind of takes you back uh, take it takes me back it's so used to the lucan narrative when you read this and, and it's you know obviously very different we do though have you know so maybe piggybacking on what we were talking about last week we have more danger in this text and so and we don't have the journey to bethlehem Right. I mean, we don't have all of that, any of that story. I mean, there's mm -hmm. the, this young woman is pregnant. The betrothed is trying to save everybody somehow. Mm -hmm. There's a kind of fun or interesting parallel there, too, with the angel saying this Jesus is going to save people. <laughs> it's not on you, bro. Kind yeah. of there, too. But and then this, you know, verse from Isaiah and then it's Joseph woke up. Did what the Lord commanded him, took her as his wife. She had a baby. They named him that's, Jesus. That's the whole birth narrative. Yeah. I mean, thank goodness we have Luke. Otherwise, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just not, it's in some ways not nearly as auspicious, right? Although this is the one where then we have the magi and the star right, and right. the whole the whole cosmos is proclaiming that something new and different has happened and king, and king herod's already wanting to kill the kid yes and and a murderous tyrant by chapter two mm -hmm. a different danger here so you think if, if you were preaching this you would lean into the incarnation the that and this whole thing of righteousness being connected to compassion towards other versus letter of the law definitely mm -hmm. yeah i think i might i think it would be only fair to lean into joseph since we don't have other opportunities to do that right and to play with what you said but also use this as a counter to the other things that we're hearing about what it biblical masculinity oh nice yeah and then to say okay well you know in the holy family here's what G, here's what joseph was concerned about Right. was the health and safety of his family or people and the and care for them in some yeah. way and um taking on some 
sense of scandal for himself for their yeah, sake. There's no doubt the rest of their lives are going to be followed by that scandal. Yeah. And it's going to be assumed by people, obviously, that they had sex before the end of the betrothal period. So both Mary, Joseph, and Jesus are going to live with that for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah after this, Joseph disappears. Such a mystery. I mean, I think he's mentioned in, in chapter two, right? I mean, that's yes, because the angel's going to come again to tell them to go to Egypt, and then the angel comes back again to tell them when it's safe to, to return, to come out of Egypt and go to Nazareth to fulfill that. And then I think then the only we have the reference to kind of the crowds being like, who is this? Isn't this the carpenter's son? I mean, I always wonder what happened to Joseph. I, for some reason, I assumed he died before Jesus' ministry started because he's never mentioned again. It's Mary and the, and the brothers to come and say, uh, we want to talk to you. You're acting kind of crazy. Joseph is just nowhere. I don't know. Yeah, so I think that's why the tradition has answered some of those questions by saying, you know, oh, he was just so much older. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, because that's not in the text, right? But I mean, when Ava and I picture Joseph, he's like an old man. Okay. Right. No, I mean, then that's what I see in the nativity sets, and that's what I see in stained glass and stuff. Okay. It's like it's not gonna make it <laughs> yeah. the rest of the gospel. <laughs> but is that is that fair? Or we gotta at least question or push back on those depictions because first of all it's not in here but then second of all you know they're making these midnight escapes mm-hmm. and whatnot and this hard travel so and living in egypt for who quite knows how long mm-hmm. yeah that sounds ad hoc just to explain why he's not around later on he was old yeah. and he died yeah I think we almost lose something to emphasize or to want to cling to the idea that of virginity too in this miracle and i'm not arguing against it Mm -hmm. but that emphasis i think almost overshadows just how much of a hopeful thing it has always been for a woman to be pregnant Mm -hmm. i mean how very hopeful that very ordinary or often extraordinary thing is and even the hope that comes with it of a couple or the mother, whoever around it, you know, that the pregnancy begins to force a look toward the future, mm. right? And the yeah. dreams that parents have around what will, what will we name him? What will we mm. be like? You know, this person that no one's met yet. What are the, what are the dreams? What are the things you want for them? Right. Mm-hmm. And Joseph has a dream for him, at least that he'll be safe and the mother yeah. will be safe. Yeah. I might also use this as a, a foil to kind of talk about that, the signs of hope that are around us, the things that pin us toward or s- help set our faces toward something, a better future. Mm-hmm. No, but pe- parents always, whether they do a good job or not, they always wish for a better life for their kids than they had. Yeah. Yeah. That's Advent. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, the parents start college funds before the kids are born, you know, set up accounts and and dream really big, big dreams Yeah. about what the next 18, 21, 30 years of their lives or more is going to look like because of this little, little friend, yeah. <laughs> this little joy that is that is on the uh, on the cusp of being. Oh, that's sweet. Very nice.